0: Hi, everyone. Austin here. So uh, as you're about to hear, we got some new recording equipment, but we had a few technical difficulties that didn't come up when we were testing it out. So there's going to be some places where our voices trail off and you don't hear the end of our sentences. And uh, we're working on that, what happened in the next episode, but it does happen sometimes in this one. So heads up. Sorry about the audio troubles.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie.
0: And I'm Austin.
1: And we are here coming to you. Not live, but a live from yeah. our new podcast, I guess, lab.
0: I'm gonna call it the pod closet.
1: Pod closet? Yeah, this is my uh, my walk-in closet. And yes, I am sitting next to the famed false wall that we think may have treasure or a dead body behind it.
0: My money's still on drugs. So many drugs. And it's gonna be like seventies drugs, so it's not even good drugs.
1: It's that poisoned excedrin. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> turns out that we are, our house is actually the cause. Not was that was that the one with the cult?
0: I have no idea anymore. There have been so many. It's like I can't even keep track of this week. Why are you asking oh me to keep track of history? Goodness,
1: yes, we are recording on what is it? The fourth?
0: I don't even know. It's October forty ninth.
1: It's the fourth. So this fucking week, uh, last couple of weeks, really, um, I can't remember. Did we record? We re- did we record before or after Rbg died? Uh, Before. Austin is the world's biggest RBG fan.
0: Not quite as big as you. You're a bigger (laughs) fan. We both loved her.
1: Yeah. Like, on our honeymoon, between making fake podcast episodes, because we're super cool people, we listened to audiobooks, and one of them was the Notorious RBG. The one was a goddamn hero. I feel like everything that's happened since has been our punishment, or reward, depending on how you want to look at it, for... Not respecting her as much as she deserved, no. but also some very specific punishments for people who really went out of their way to not respect her like they deserve, it's, like she deserved.
0: This is just some mask of the red death shit happening right now.
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. So we watched the like, debate. Have, like, I thought we were only going to have the debate to talk about on oh, this. That was
0: a shit show. Yeah. like Even CNN said this was a shit show.
1: I I know that Chris Wallace has been getting some mixed reviews for how he handled things, but having been a teacher... How can you handle this? Having been a teacher, he did literally everything he could, since he is not allowed to call their parents or send them to the office. <laughs> Although I really hope that they're able to turn mics off in the future, assuming that there are future debates this round. There might not be. And
0: for fear of sounding like a total ghoul, I'm not going to go into my thoughts on this.
1: It's... It's something else like and we're finding out more and more that he may have known earlier and it's and that he that he likely lied about having a covid test first, which in fairness, Biden might have as well, because neither one of them got there on time to have their covid test. So they went on faith. But and then he had his little party and it was some full blown mask of the red death shit. Yeah, it's going through them just like mask of the red death. And, you know. The doctor even admitted he lied to everybody about how things were going because he didn't want to cause a panic. I'm like, hey, remember last time someone didn't cause a panic and now over 200,000 people are dead? And also,
0: we have spent more on medications for the president to treat his COVID than he paid in taxes in the last 15 years.
1: On this new podcast setup, I spent more than half what he paid in taxes. And this is minimal. Yeah, this um, is like it's a nice little podcast setup.
0: It's we don't have the one mic, so we're not having to like lean in and like interrupt each other. We can gesture without smacking each other in the face. We are sequestered away from the cats, so for better or for worse, they're not interrupting us anymore. I already miss them.
1: The only thing we don't have is our soundproofing that we were going to put up because we came in here, we finished setting it up. We were like, "Yes, it's done." And then we noticed the ceiling is leaking.
0: Yeah, it's just a little bit around the chimney,
1: but it's enough that I wouldn't want foam up. Yeah. So, we've got a we need a new roof anyway, but our, our,
0: oh, God, we so, have a chimney to
1: nothing. We don't have a fireplace.
0: It, it does, it works. It's for the furnace Ugh. because
1: that still does gas.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to climb up on the roof and fix this because I've been up on the roof and like patch around the chimney before. But, man, something about this time, like I got up there and the bag I was carrying, like the tar and like the brush and stuff up with me broke. And I just looked down and watched it roll and smack onto the ground. It's like, oh, now I'm scared.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we are just, gonna have to get a new roof we think which is fine we needed one anyway but
0: roofs are very expensive and it's so like if
1: you want to venmo us some money so we can get a roof That's instead right. of starting a patreon account we can start a gofundme to buy us a roof so that um, we can i've already this. gotten
0: only fans try and get us a new roof
1: <laughs> what are you doing on your only fans
0: you do not want to know
1: i live with you i'm gonna walk in on it
0: i have been singing cat songs
1: Wait, cat songs or cats songs?
0: Both. Because there's never been a quite a cat quite so magical as magic magical Mr. Muffin owned by my fans only fans. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you, I've got this image in my head now, and I wish I could wipe it from my memory. <laughs> Well, let's get into it because I know that people aren't really here to hear us talk about our house and they've already lived through this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've you've lived through this week too. You know exactly what we're talking about. You're there with us. So let's 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 go back in time when things were somehow worse and also better.
1: Well, my my stuff goes all the way through literally today.
0: Oh good. Mine is like in the super past, and I think I go first this time. I have
1: literally. It's been no two
0: idea. weeks, and we have the memory span of a goldfish, so I'm just gonna go first. You know, new actually, year. I've
1: heard that goldfish have surprisingly long memories.
0: And we're already on a tangent. <laughs> Nothing. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna executive executive order. I'm going first.
1: Oh, because you're the man.
0: Patriarchy. <laughs> so I'm gonna go first this week. So I'm actually gonna talk about something that's like 700 years old, and it's something we didn't learn in school because. We never learned anything about what happened in Africa other than slavery. And um
1: I learned that there are, you know, animals.
0: Oh yeah, we learned about the animals kind of like with Australia.
1: Yeah, we never learned about the people or anything like yeah. my, I'm really bad at geography and I couldn't even tell you what countries are in Africa because of how little education we had. Also, yeah. I think things have changed since we were but
0: So yeah, I'm going to talk about some African history from 700 years ago and Again, it's not related to slavery. It's not related to oh, Europe. It's not related to European slavery, <laughs> transatlantic slavery. It's not related to you know European colonization of Africa. It's not related to Egypt, which is like we learned what we learned more about what happened in Egypt two thousand years ago than we did what happened in the last thousand years in the rest of Africa.
1: We learned a lot about Egypt and. With the exception of the time sarcophagi were opened, I have no idea how that's especially relevant in the long term for us to have learned it so many years.
0: So I'm going to talk about like an amazing civilization. Uh, it was the Mali Empire. It was very big. It was about twice the size of Texas, you know, like nearly nearly half a million square miles. So big empire. It was in Western Africa. OK, so I'm just describing this to Maddie because and actually because you can't really see it. But OK, if you look at Africa... And you go north and you go up to where Spain is.
1: Spain's not in Africa.
0: Yep. But if you go straight down from Spain to like the bottom of the part of Africa that sticks out, basically from the coast down to where like it starts to curve down.
1: You know, I have that thing where I can't picture stuff in my head. That's
0: true. You can't picture stuff in your head. So yeah, I was just describing it for other people. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was from the coast to as far east as parts of Nigeria. So big area because Africa is a very big continent. Like we forget how big Africa is.
1: Well, our maps are altered to make us look bigger than they are.
0: It's the Mercator projection, which makes like you know the northern hemisphere countries look. Large. Mm-hmm. So yeah, big country, and we're also gonna be talking about uh, one of its emperors, Mansa Musa, the richest man to ever live. I know that name. It sounds familiar to lots of people, but we don't know a lot about him because we never learned it in school, unless we took very specific history class. So yeah, it was most of its expansion was fairly peaceful. It was an empire, and it did have a large conquering army. But it wasn't like as aggressive as like the Mongolian conquest or Rome's conquest of everywhere. It was peaceful-er. <laughs> and it's because the quality of life for people in the Mali Empire was pretty high because they were rich. Mm-hmm. This was a very wealthy kingdom. Part of it was due to uh, salt trade. They were in the savanna, right between the, uh, the jungles and the Sahara Desert. So they're in a good part of the uh, of the continent where you could actually have sustainable agriculture. You could grow, you could raise horses, you could ride them around. Uh, and they were right next to a bunch of very rich gold fields and some the incredibly rich salt mines of the Sahara, too. So they had access to two very valuable substances because salt was necessary for preserving food and for flavoring food and just completely necessary. It's one of two
1: flavors that I put on my food. The other one being garlic. Yep.
0: It's like, oh my God, garlic salt. I'm surprised she's not like mainlining garlic salt.
1: I once had a guy, I went out, like I made a point of finding a restaurant that was vegan friendly because he was vegan and I am very not vegan. And I was with my ex and this guy and we're at the table and he starts going on this rant about Midwesterners and how we are the real problem in this country and how we are all morbidly obese And it's because of the garlic salt. Specifically because of garlic salt. No,
0: it's because of the abundance of Hot Pockets.
1: (laughs) There are Hot Pockets in D.C. I lived in D.C. at the time. So yeah, this guy was sitting with two Midwesterners talking about how we are the scourge of the earth because of our love of garlic salt. We are at a sushi place. Garlic salt has not entered this
0: conversation. They have soy sauce. That is like so much saltier than garlic salt. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, guys, you heard it here first. The vegan guy who wore a leather jacket, but it was OK because it was secondhand and worked at a coffee shop, but it was OK because he wasn't drinking the milk, says that Midwesterners are evil. because
0: Makes that all tracks. All it of that tracks. So, yeah, they had uh, lots of they had. were basically right between the places that had lots of salt and places that had lots of gold. And the places that had lots of gold had almost no naturally occurring salt. They could get it from the sea, but it didn't like travel well.
1: The sea is not your friend. The
0: sea is not your friend. Yeah, they would get plentiful salt from the Sahara and they would trade it with the uh, like you know the more jungly areas. and salt was literally worth its weight in gold in some places. Mm-hmm. and it would get more and more valuable the further south you went. Mm-hmm. So this was a big lucrative trade. like there were kings in Ghana who actually kept slabs of salt. Stockpiled alongside their gold in their like vaults and treasuries.
1: They're living my best life. Uh,
0: At its heyday, thousands of camels were hauling about two hundred pounds of salt each in the salt trade. It was just constant, so money was flowing through the Mali Empire.
1: Salt from salt licks tastes different.
0: Yeah, this was this was like mined mineral salt, which is it was kind of grayish in color. But it was still good salt. It traveled really well. And it was, again, it was sold in actual slabs. So it was easy to transport and measure and sell that way.
1: Austin missed the part where I told him I,
0: I also know what salt licks taste like. I was raised on a farm. you just like, this is a salt lick. I'm going to taste this.
1: Yeah, mine was a used salt lick in the middle of a nature reserve.
0: That's disgusting.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, though. Uh, okay. Mine was.
0: I literally licked one on the. That was. On the floor in a uh, feed store.
1: Like, anybody who's been around horses has tried their little... I was on this nature field trip, and the guy was like, who wants to try the salt lick? And the rest of my classmates were two chicken, so I did. And then the same thing with a naturally growing, like, edible plant out there. I don't remember what it was, but it was...
0: So, I love naturally growing plants. We, we have some in our backyard that I eat, but I planted. To...
1: <laughs> Don't lie. I've also caught him cutting the grass that way.
0: It's true, man. Just got It's like they, we also have wild onions. They are not as good.
1: I keep telling him to stop eating the mushrooms, but he won't stop and it's had various effects.
0: Listen, you glowing ball of color with Maddie's voice. Don't tell me what to do. All <laughs> hail the cloud. So yeah, there's a lot of money and it all is all passing through Molly. And so then we will get to Mansa Musa.
1: Just like today, most a lot of money passes through Molly. <laughs>
0: Mansa Musa, he was actually not born to be the king. He was not of the royal line. He was appointed deputy by the king, uh, Abu Bakari II, the Sultan Abu Bakari II, which was a position where there's like someone who would rule in the king's stead while they would be like usually on Hajj to Mecca, which was the pilgrimage to go see Mecca, or while they were off on like some other adventure. And this king decided that he was gonna see the edge of the ocean that surrounds the world. That's what he wanted to do. He's like, I'm going to see this.
1: Uh, was this when they still thought the world was flat? I mean, there were
0: apparently this guy thought the world was flat. It depends on what part of the world you were in, if they actually thought it was flat or not.
1: Just like America today thinks it was flat.
0: Yeah. So I'm based on what this guy thought and the expedition he sent forward, I'm going to say they thought the Earth was flat. Okay. But I don't know for sure. For sure. So at first he sent out 200 ships and these weren't like the big ocean going ships like you think of. Like these were smaller ones like. Like not like canoes, but they were like very like like galleys almost. They weren't huge. They were like what you'd see like Vikings mm-hmm. that size of ship. So they sent two hundred of those ships to find the end of the ocean. Only one returned, saying that they couldn't find it and that the other ships were destroyed in a whirlpool. So they were
1: just taken to a different part of the map. Yep. Yeah. If we've learned uh, anything from video yeah. games,
0: the Sultan did not like that answer. So he assembled another thousand ships <laughs> to set off. And this time he went with them to find the edge of the ocean and they were never seen again. So after a year, Mansa Musa was just officially the king now. Now, uh, interesting enough, Columbus did hear claims from the natives on Hispaniola that the uh, black people came from the south and southeast and they had golden spears. And also the uh, Portuguese had heard rumors of uh, canoes, uh, African canoes with trade goods being spotted, like, you know, heading out into the ocean so they thought, well, maybe they made it. There, has no, there have been no African artifacts found, any archaeological digs in the New World. So we have no evidence that they made it. But holy shit, wouldn't it have been cool if they had?
1: The Whirlpool took them to a different place on the map. And then when they were done, they went back to the Whirlpool and ended up in some other place.
0: No, the Whirlpool takes you to the pirate dimension. And they're just there fighting like Blackbeard and Billy the Kid. No, he was a cowboy. He's fighting. There's cowboys and pirates in this dimension. Okay. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> going on. Mansa Musa was the sultan now he uh, took he's it was 1312 oh crap I didn't write down the dates it's like 1312 or 1313 1312 when he became the sultan and he did a lot of reforms he expanded the empire he was building things and trying to basically make Mali go from kind of a they were known as being rich in the Muslim world but they weren't like a place to go to and weren't respected among these other kingdoms and he set out to change that and in 1324 when he as as he was an adult Muslim he was going to go on his hajj to Mecca and he was going to go and he was going to spread the wealth and prestige of the Mali Empire to the rest of the Muslim and he did this with what was reported as 60,000 people traveling with him that was at the high end other accounts put it definitely over 20,000 so And he did not just go simply. He went extravagant. He had 100 camels carrying 300 pounds each of gold dust. He had uh, 12,000 slaves carrying four-pound gold bars. Uh, He had 500 heralds dressed in extravagant, like, brightly patterned silks carrying six-pound golden staffs. He had hundreds of other camels. He had his wife and her 500 servants.
1: Damn.
0: And all of the stuff they would need to survive and carry their food with them. It was told that this his procession stretched from horizon to horizon and would take multiple days to pass. Mm-hmm. And, kind of like
1: the trains as they go past our house.
0: Yeah. And his trip lasted for two years. And it had a number of long-term major effects. First and foremost... He spent so much gold, it caused the cost of gold to decrease in Mecca, Cairo, and Medina for a decade.
1: I wonder how many babies were born during those two years.
0: I have no idea. Like in his party, probably, probably more than a few. Mm-hmm. So he spent gold so extravagantly, gold actually became worth less. Uh, he is said that he built a mosque every Friday. For two years, while he was just on his journey in these other countries, he'd just pay for a mosque to be built as he traveled. He would give out gold to the poor, and in Cairo, he spent so much money on souvenirs. (laughs) Literally, he spent...
1: I didn't know Cairo has a gift shop.
0: uh, They don't anymore because he bought it
1: all. (laughs) I do love a good gift shop, I understand. Literally,
0: tons of gold on souvenirs in Cairo, and he overpaid for them, and
1: so, just like you always do. In so a yeah, shop. now
0: uh, next time you're in Branson and you're thinking about buying a shot glass for your meemaw, and you see that it's fifteen dollars, you can thank Mansa Musa for driving up the cost of souvenirs for everybody.
1: Thanks, Mansa Musa.
0: Yeah. Uh, actually, on his return trip, he'd realized he'd caused a problem by spending so much gold because there was just so much more gold. Gold became less valuable. He actually started borrowing gold as much as he could carry from moneylenders for his return trip at incredibly high interest rates just to get gold out of the marketplaces.
1: Did he pay back?
0: Yeah. This was the one time in history in which a single man controlled the entire cost. of It, it was a lot of money.
1: Donald Trump only controls like a quarter of the entire cost, and he spent a lot yeah. of that on his...
0: Oh, it is also worth noting that while Mansa Musa was on his Hajj to Mecca, uh, his army was still conquering places and the the kingdom was still running. And during that time, they uh, captured the city-states of Timbuktu and Gao. So those are two large, important, like, trading cities. And they just captured him while he was gone. So he had a standing army, and that he was just able to leave for two years and come back and still get to be king. Like, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't just, like, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, you were deposed because well, like, you are on vacation for two years. <laughs> he While he was gone, part of his mission was to recruit scholars, craftsmen, architects, and just smart people from the rest of the Muslim world to come to the Mali Empire and build things and do stuff. And he was very successful because, holy shit, he spent a lot of money and people wanted to go there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, in Timbuktu, you can actually see uh, some of the major fruits of his labor. Uh, there is the, I'm going to mispronounce this because I, I heard so many pronunciations of this while I was researching things, the Jingo Mask Mosque. Uh, it is a UNESCO World Heritage... <laughs> that wasn't the word you expected to mispronounce, was yeah. it? Yeah. I was talk... uh, yeah. The, th- this mosque is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It is built mostly of adobe. There are some parts of it that are limestone. And he brought in architects from Spain, which, uh, by the way, we didn't learn this at school. For a big chunk of the Middle Ages, like, you know, when Europe was full of disease and Dark Age stuff, Spain was a Muslim country. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so get yeah, from Spain to come down and build this mosque... And it has been an active mosque for nearly 700 years. About 2,000 people will fit inside of its prayer room. And except for a brief period of time where it was briefly occupied by extremists in 2012. They did damage some tombs with sledgehammers and they were never repaired. But most of the building was largely. So he has this big adobe building. It's really cool looking. Check it out. He also made the University of Sankor, which also still exists. Uh, Matsumusa staffed it with jurists, which are not like jurists as we think of them but these are like legal experts, Uh, mathematicians and astronomers from all over the Muslim world. Uh, It became a center of learning and Muslim scholars from all over Africa and the Middle East would actually come to it for knowledge. And it's like shortly after Montemus's death, it had 25,000 students. It also had the largest collection of books in its library in all of Africa. It was the largest since the Library of Alexandria. It was about one million manuscripts, which again, that's large. Like my library total has a million manuscripts and those are modern books. This was back when books were written by hand and had to be copied by hand and paper was not as easily available as it is now. So books were expensive and hard to produce and they had a million. They also had a very large book copying industry as a part of it. So uh, he also built mosques and schools all over other places. Cause again, this was a highly populated urban civilization. This was not like just, Small tribes out on the plains. This was there were cities. It was a dense population. It was by the standards of the time an absolutely modern society. And of course, part of his journey was to show Molly's wealth and get let, promote it as a important trading city an important cultural like civilization within the Muslim world. And he absolutely succeeded because uh, it was again it wasn't viewed highly. He changed that. It became the center. Of trade and culture for the for Muslim Africa for a long time. Mali's wealth became well known in Europe because of Venetian traders just talking about, oh my God, this guy spent so much money, and it's just this cities of gold in Africa. And uh, Mansa Musa was actually depicted in Mali sitting upon a pile of gold in a the Catalan Atlas, which is an important map of the time. It's an illustrated map, an illuminated map showing like the medieval Europe and Africa in the middle. And he is depicted on it, Mm -hmm. just sitting over piles of gold. In (laughs) So uh, also at this, at this point in time, Mali was, was an empire, but because they were trading so much and so much of it was going from the conquered areas into the Mali civilization itself, the city States like started rebelling and fracturing eventually through a series of civil wars and mismanagement and just stuff happening. It fractured and big chunks of it went away, including Timbuktu and Gao and uh, the former city state of Gao would eventually overtake Mali as the Songhai Empire and just kind of conquer big chunks of it. And also, when Europe began colonizing, they remembered hearing about the gold and wealth of the Mali Empire. And Portugal came to colonize, and even though the Mali Empire did manage to hold them back partially, they took lots of coastal areas, and they were cut off. And eventually, France would colonize and conquer what we think of as modern the modern country of Mali where french is still the official language and the wealth has largely gone away from this part of the country uh, in mali the average person only earns $780 a year wow that's just 30 more dollars than the president taxes.
1: <laughs> when he pays them
0: when he pays them
1: yes um just a quick jump in there i talked about freedom of the press stuff before the new york times can't print that stuff as fact without being able to back it up they know who their source is. They have vetted their source. And if they try to sue over it, chances are the journalists who printed this will go to jail because they used to reveal their source. But they know who it is. So
0: that was, Ma- that was Mansa Musa and the Mali Empire. We never learned this stuff. And again, like his, his wealth, it is immeasurable. We have no idea of how rich he was. But the best guesses we have is his wealth was around 400 billion dollars. That's more than two Jeff Bezos. That's more than a Rockefeller. That's more than like any other person. Mm-hmm. And again, we have no way of knowing how rich he was because we we have no way of measuring it. his wealth was immeasurable.
1: And it sounds like he was trying to like spread it.
0: Yeah, he was trying. He was spending money to make money. He wanted Mali to be an important cultural site, which it was. He was like the cultural, economic and like really just center of West Africa for a long time. Mm hmm. Sorry, you ready for some questions? Yep. Will the fact that salt was worth its weight in gold be on the test? Yes. Will uh, Abu Bakari trying to see the edge of the ocean no matter (laughs) the cost be on the test? Oh, probably. Will the tons of gold Mansa Musa traveled with be on the test? Mm Mm-hmm. Crazy. And I've finished an entire notebook of notes for this. I need to get into it.
1: You do. See, I use modern technology-ish and I have a tablet.
0: Ooh, fancy.
1: I mean, it's a stone tablet that I've chiseled everything into, but
0: it's she makes me haul them up here and like then she like then she'll step out and say, "Behold my commandments," and then I'll have to feed the cats.
1: <laughs> well, I'm like I said, my stuff literally goes until today. My sources are usconstitution.net, history.com, Polytechnic School Washington's state website. National Constitution Center, OriginalPeople.org, Archives.gov, Smithsonian Magazine, Time, and National Geographic. Wikipedia, Wayne State University Postal Museum, InfoPlease, Ballotopedia, Al Jazeera, Business Insider, NPR, The Atlantic, Mother Jones, Pew Research Institute, National Con- Conference of State Legislator- Le- Legislatures, USA Today, and Vox. Because this is a this is a doozy, my friends. So the other day. We're gearing up for the debate and we're watching on PBS and they had some kind of show about voting beforehand. We only caught maybe the last five minutes. And there were images of people of color who were not black voting in a time where we were led to believe that they couldn't vote. And so in in school that we, we learned that Early voters had to be white, land-owning men, and then women, and then black people, and people of other races, ethnicities, religions never mentioned in school. Except for maybe a passing mention of Native Americans. Maybe. Obviously, these pictures that we saw on PPS made me wonder, what does this mean about what we I'm going to say it. This is, and you know I hate this, this is the first time I feel like school lied to wow. in our entire podcast. And I feel like, you know, we know that Texas textbooks like to make it look awesome, and we tend to lean Christian and all that. This feels like a more active form of covering up than anything we've done before. And I'm still, I'm not blaming the teachers. They teach what they're allowed to teach and they teach what they know. And this is a lot that unless you were a U.S. history major, there's a good chance you don't know. So I'm not blaming the teachers, but I feel like this is the first time in our podcast that the school system actively lied rather than just rushing over. So let's dive in. In the 17th century, we had 13 colonies. Yes. You've probably heard of those. Mm Mm-hmm. The right to vote was restricted by property restrictions and or a religious test. In some places, you had to be a Puritan. In some places, you just had to be Christian, but you couldn't be Quakers or Baptists or Catholics. In some places, you had to be a landowner. In some places, you only had to have a certain amount in personal property. Except for Virginia, which was like, you have to have 50 acres of vacant land and 25 acres of farmed land and a house that is 12 feet by 12 feet or a town lot and a house that is 12 feet by 12 feet. Virginia, man.
0: Virginia always had a about everything.
1: Before the Revolutionary War, voting was done by voice, so it was eyes and nays, and it was held at carnivals. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we'd get like a higher voter turnout if, like, your price of admission to a carnival was your vote, and then you like maybe got some free caramel corn or something?
0: Are there clowns? Because that influences my entire answer.
1: I think there'd be like a, a clown section that you have to that you would have to go to in Good, order to see Because I would,
0: clowns. I would, I would not go if there were clowns.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of clowns. But since this was public and you were allowed to vote while drunk, the election process didn't work too well. Huh. The state of Washington's website, like the actual state of Washington, not some kind of fancy website name, says that in 1776 voting was at the state level and it was reserved for white landowning men over 21. However, other sources say they had to be both landowning and taxpaying. That's pretty close to what we learned in and we were also taught that the Constitution declared that the right to vote was given to white landowning men 21. The Constitution doesn't say anything about voting.
0: It doesn't? At all.
1: Not until the 14th Amendment. Wow. There is not a single mention of the right to vote in the earliest draft of the Constitution, which, by the way, was not our initial our original Constitution, which we also didn't learn Google, but that was not especially relevant to this. Yeah, there's a reason our Constitution wasn't adopted until about 10 years after. The... So this meant that the right's relating to voting, were effectively up to the... The National Constitution Center said that it, quote, effectively excluded women as well as many free African-Americans and Native Americans. It also excluded some white men who were barred from voting by property ownership requirement. Did you hear some stuff in there that goes directly against what we were taught? Yes. Mm -hmm. The state constitutions in all or nearly all of the colonies allowed black free men to vote usually under the same restrictions as white men. I saw different colonies listed in different resources. And at some point, every single one came up. So I didn't want to list them and say, these were definitely the ones. I'm just not listing them. So I'm saying all or nearly all. Baltimore at the time had more black people than white people voting. Whoa! And black and white voters together ratified the Constitution. So, and in fact, in some states, black people could even hold office and did. And in New Jersey at this time, women could vote. What? They were the only state to allow this at the time, but women simply had to have more than 50 pounds of wealth, which is a little over 4,000 pounds today, and they had to have lived in the state for more than six months. They likely also had to be single because when you got married, your wealth joined with your husband's, but if you were able to finagle it another way, you probably got a separate vote from him. It's believed that their rights, um, women's and Black people's rights, were eliminated In 1807, because the Democratic-Republican politicians didn't like that they tended to vote for other parties. (laughs) Sounds a little familiar about what's happening today with Black voters vote-going Democrat in Republican states. I'll get into that more. Along came the presidential election, the very first actual election in 1789. And under the restrictions of the Constitution, only 6% of the entire population could vote. 6%. So 6% chose our second president. So the things we learned in school about this were dramatically oversimplified, which actually I think does a huge disservice to the future suffrage and civil rights movements, because it wasn't just that they weren't allowed to. It's that they had been allowed to, and it was taken away. And I think that makes the whole thing a lot harsher. The fact that we had given it to them, we were like, no, fuck you. And then we took it back. And this happens not just to black people and women, but to every ethnicity just about at some point in time. The only ones, with the exception of language barriers, that never had a legal restriction on them were Latinos, huh. as far as I could find. Like, But there was still English requirements, but that, I'll get into that too. So yeah, I think that is where we were done a huge disservice, and I don't understand why this was left out, other than to actively cover up what shit because it was given anything darker. Despite the small population, some states were like, eh, that's still too many, and states began to restrict things further and further. Interestingly, though, that same year was the Naturalization Act of 17, which allowed men, white men born outside the U.S. to become citizens and allow them them to vote for the first time. In 1792, places began to get rid of property requirements and some other restrictions. And until the 1800s, voting was still done publicly. You, instead of just yelling things out while drunk, signed your name under a candidate's name on a publicly posted document. This made things easier to count, but it grew harder as the government grew and there were more positions to vote for So in the 1820s, two parties came back because for a while it had been just one party. So each party began to distribute ballots. However, voters could only take one ballot, meaning one party's ballot. You didn't have the opportunity to vote across parties. It's kind of like our primaries now, but this is every, every vote. This was also when white male suffrage began. Now, suffrage actually just means the right to vote. It's not the actual fight for the right to vote. But white male suffrage began. At this point, only white male landowners in general could vote, but people began to move west where they didn't own land, but they still wanted to vote, so they began to allow that. In 1828, Maryland became the final state to remove restrictions on voting based on religion by allowing Jewish people to vote for the first time. 1828. 1820? Mm-hmm. And by 1850, property and tax requirements were gone, meaning nearly all adult white men could vote. In 1838... Kentucky began to allow widows with middle-aged children the right to vote in school elections, which Kansas later did in 1861. That same year, 18... I don't know if it was 1838 or 18... You'll know. Uh, the Mexican-American War ended. Oh,
0: shit. I don't remember anymore. I
1: literally never learned about the Mexican-American War. Oh, the Mexican-American War was crazy. Yeah, not a single word about it, other than we fought with Mexico and then we got Texas. It's
0: basically, it's like, we we want California. Give mm-hmm. me. And I guess we'll take Texas, too, which, by the way, uh, bad call. We should have let him take. We should have let him keep Texas. I'm saying it.
1: And that granted U.S. citizenship to Mexicans living in the territories that we conquered. But there were the English language requirements for voting. So they couldn't vote. They were citizens. They weren't allowed to vote because they couldn't speak, read, write English, which is weird to me on this whole thing, though, because the literacy rates overall were quite low. So these white men couldn't read or write either. In 1855, Connecticut instituted a literacy test, and Massachusetts followed. We learned about this, but we were told it happened in the 1940s. Yeah, years.
0: it was, it was, like, in, gosh, the... Reconstruction era, like in Jim Crow, where they started adding these in the South.
1: Yeah, we were told that this didn't happen until then. Well, this happened 100 years before to keep Irish immigrants from voting. Now, I tried to figure out how this could keep them from voting because I was like, their literacy rate must have been really low. Well, by the time they instituted this, three quarters of Irish immigrants were literate. So you were maybe keeping a quarter of them from voting. So what kind of questions did they have that made it so that they can do it? But I'll get more into literacy tests when we get into. Then, of course, you have the Civil War. Prior to this, voting had to be done with some kind of witness at a specific location to prevent fraud. But the majority, not the majority, but a good number of eligible voters were off now fighting in the Civil War. So the union began to make absentee voting possible. The, Confederate also, uh, the Confederacy allowed this in five out of their 11 style. So it wasn't just the union. Although if I understood it correctly, the union was pretty universal with it. In June 1862, Missouri became the first state to begin making these allowances because the state's. Individually still controlled how voting was done. Instead of there being a federal decree, each state had to figure out what to do. Many of them appointed election judges and they were usually other soldiers were trusted to be in charge of bullshit. Ohio created something very similar to what we see on mail and absentee ballots today, which was an envelope marked presidential election. It was carried back by the post office or other. This, of course, is where the first case of mail and election fraud accusations occurred. In Wayne County, Ohio, a uh, probate judge race was going on. It was really close. Of those who voted in the state, a Democrat named John McBride won. Now, remember, this is Civil War Democrat versus Republican, and this was the Union, so it's weird the Democrat won. But the soldiers, when their ballots came in, overwhelmingly voted for the other candidate, making him the winner by just over 100. McBride put forth a lawsuit saying the Ohio suffrage law for the military was unconstitutional, but his reasoning was actually really interesting. He said that Since it only allowed absentee voting for soldiers, it discriminated against anybody who was absent for any other reason. He at no point mentioned that they could have falsified their their votes. So he was arguing that if people were sent off for any other reason or had to be out for any other reason, it was discrimination because they had to vote. He lost the Laws expanded even after the election of Lincoln from 1862 to 1865. According to David A. Collins's 2014 doctoral dissertation, Absentee Soldier Voting in Civil War Law and Politics at Wayne State University, quote, The centrality of communities to the election process, not only as fixed venues for casting ballots, but also as oversight mechanisms to prevent fraud, abruptly gave way, if only for soldiers, to a notion of voting as an individual a portable right i wrote something down wrong dislocated from communities this transition upended previous assumptions about the nature of voting and elections basically saying maybe we can trust what i know in 1868 the 14th amendment finally declared the first actual federal voting rules which was that everyone born in or naturalized to the us are citizens this did not include native america just going to let that hang for a second <laughs> This amendment actually makes no mention of race otherwise, saying voting applies to men 21 and over who are not criminals. In fact, it's written this way to specifically include freedmen, which is why many people opposed the 14th Amendment. And of course, this brings up the question, why were we taught in school that black people were not granted the right to vote until much later? They were granted the right to vote. We just made it impossible.
0: Yeah, it's like you could but you have to pass all of these impossible tasks.
1: Yes. And like, it's ridiculous. You and, might as
0: well be slaying the Nemean lion as far as I can. Mm-hmm. They're
1: concerned. Another thing we were told didn't happen until much later. In 1869, Wyoming, which at the time was a territory, and not a state, allowed women the right to vote universally. All women, 21 and older, barring, you know, criminality, were allowed to vote freely. It also let them serve on juries and hold public office, which they did. The first woman to vote was 69-year-old Louisa Swain of Laramie, and there were no tests. Wow. By 1914, all states west of the Rockies allowed women to vote. All states and territory. There was only one east of the Rockies that allowed this, and this is what was shocking to Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, because the east at the time and continues to be largely the more progressive side. But the West did. And there was one Eastern state. Which one do you think it was? East of the Rockies.
0: East of the Rockies? I mean, it's got to be Massachusetts.
1: Mm -mm. New York? Mm -mm. New York was actually dicks about it for a real long time. Florida? No.
0: Kansas. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kansas was the only state East of the Rockies allowing women the universal vote. This is believed to have happened to try to entice women to move out West, both so they would be more women... Uh, Wyoming had a six to one male to female ratio (laughs) for the purpose of procreation. And so they could apply for statehood because you had to have a certain number of people to be a state and women did count towards that. 1870 brought the- Wait, you're saying women counted as people? I know. It's a weird time back then. Wow. I wish we'd go back. (laughs) (laughs) Make America great again. (laughs) Bring it back to 1869 or 1914. Pick one. (laughs) Ooh,
0: I don't know about 1914. There was a pretty bad plague. It was like, oh, never mind. That wasn't yet.
1: (laughs) It's like, that's, are you talking about now? <laughs> uh, 1870 brought the 15th Amendment. Now, you remember the 14th Amendment was supposed to make every man of age without a comi- criminal record able to vote. Well, this one was basically, hey, fuck you. We see you're not doing that. That is what the essence of the 15th Amendment is. It's like, no, guys, we were serious about that 14th Amendment.
0: <laughs> no, No, seriously, guys. Seriously.
1: And it made it very clear the right to vote extended to everyone who was qualified, regardless of race color, or previous servitude. This obviously pissed off a lot of people and resulted in the disenfranchisement period. They call it a, it's not happening now. (laughs) We learned a lot about the violence during this time, but we didn't learn about a lot of the specific nonviolent things that were also happening. First off, of course, is poll tax, which literally required you to pay to register to vote. In Texas, it was $1.50 to $1.75, which is about $45 to $51 today. As someone who has had their bank account hit zero on more than one occasion, that is a lot of money. I could not have afforded to vote for most of my 20s. And that was
0: like that was like back then money too.
1: Well, this was they were $1.50. $1. 50, oh nine.
0: my that's right, sorry. I it's been a while since I've done this and I've forgotten <laughs> how to talk to people.
1: Um we still have a problem with poll taxes today. They are technically illegal, but Having to pay to vote in any way is a poll tax. If you have to buy an ID to vote, it's a poll tax. Having to pay off any due court fees is a fucking poll tax. And then there are, um, there were the literacy tests. This is probably the part that's going to take the longest for me to talk. You had to be able to read and write English well, making people who were uneducated, illiterate, or of low literacy, or who spoke English as an additional language who were otherwise qualified ineligible.
0: Um, I'm sorry, but I believe it's speak English good
1: now this these rules technically applied to everyone, except there were grandfather clauses, which literally meant if your grandfather or your father had voted before January 1, 1967, a time at which most black people had been slaves, you could vote. So it's a literal grandfather clause. And Prior to that as well, most free people of color were unable to vote. Alabama was particularly concerned that this would mean that poor, illiterate whites couldn't vote. So they amended this to also be a good character clause, which meant each county was allowed to register anyone they felt like registering, so long as they deemed them to be a good person. He's a nice guy. I'd like to have a beer with him. And you can guess what color that really applied to. Uh, Okay. So... On the surface, you're like, okay, literacy test. This must just be making sure you can read the candidate's name. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> that would be the logical thing, making mm-hmm. sure you can have you have basic English skills. Because at the time, yeah, everything was in English, and we didn't we had a, we still have a de facto language, and by, back then it was even more. There's this article uh, on all that's interesting called "Could You Pass This Voting Literacy Test Designed to Disenfranchise African Americans?" If you got even one wrong answer out of the 30, you were disqualified from voting. You were given 10 minutes to do this. It took me more than 10 minutes to this test. I didn't. These were often not given to white voters because of the grandfather closet. closet. The rules, the tests were different in each state. Some of them focused on logic. Others had questions about citizenship and laws. In the 1960s, a law professor at Duke gave four of these questions, just four, from the Alabama test to constitutional law professors, all constitutional law professors in the United States got a copy. 96 responded. 70% of the answers were incorrect. 70%. So it wasn't even checking to see if you could read well enough to know who you were voting for. It was designed so that even educated people couldn't pass. They included this literacy test from 1964 to see how many people could pass it. So I looked over it and I'm going to put out a couple of questions. Okay.
0: Okay. I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm ready. I love answering questions. Now,
1: these are these are mostly questions that you'd have to answer in writing some other way, but in the first circle below, write the last letter of the first word beginning with L. What the fuck is the first word beginning with L? Are we talking about the first word in this sentence, the first word in history? What the first one that comes to your head, what is the first word beginning with L? I'm assuming it means the word last, mm-hmm. but they don't actually specify that it's in this sentence. Draw a figure that is square in shape but they add these extra words. Divided in half by drawing a straight line from its northeast corner to its southwest corner.
0: That's entirely relative. Because mm-hmm. I could be, like, for me, for you and me, northeast and southeast are completely different directions on a sheet of paper we'd be writing on.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the questions I had is like, do they mean if we are assuming the cardinal directions on this page or? Actually, relative to where you are in the space, and then divide it once more by drawing a broken line from the middle of its western side to the middle of its eastern side. So now you have to know your directions. You have to understand what they mean by the directions. Like, is it relative or is it on the paper? And what do they mean by broken? Now, a broken line could be one line with one break in it. It could be a series of dots. Like, and I have a feeling that they would look at it and just decide which one they wanted. And then there's this motherfucker. Write every other word in this first line and print every third word in the same line. Original type smaller and first line ended at comma. But capitalize the fifth word that you write. What? That's just nonsense. Write every other word in this first line and print every third word in that same line. Now, I'm assuming that it means by write, it means cursive, and by print, it means, by print, it means, which means that you have to be able to write and read in cursive and in handwriting, like printed handwriting. But even I'm not clear. And then do they mean every other word that then comes after the third word that you just wrote? Yeah, this was, this was clearly just like dickish, like you're not supposed to answer these. (laughs) And then also, are they checking for your penmanship? (laughs) And then if you do a Google search, you can find images of these other tests. So I found one. I don't know what state it was from, but this was a one of the tests that just ch- checked your understanding of constitutionality and laws, which seems like something that okay, I can see why this would. The constitution, the Constitution limits the size of the District of Columbia to blank. What is it in miles? In population? In w- what does this mean? Yeah, and I wouldn't be able. To...
0: It's like I honestly have no idea if the size of Washington is in the Constitution. I'm guessing it is, but I've got no clue.
1: If it were proposed to join Alabama and Mississippi to form one state, what groups would have to vote for approval in order for this to be done? I don't fucking know.
0: It's like, I'm guessing first Alabama and Mississippi would, but also the Congress and the Senate.
1: Yeah. It's like, these are not things we learned in school. And you and I have modern educations and Mm -hmm. like I have a master's degree and these are not things that were covered. And then we have the eight box. This is bizarre. In South Carolina, most Republican voters were in majority black counties, and the state overall had a majority black population. So they created this law that made them have a separate box for each ballot for each office. And they had you had to put your ballot in the right box, or it wouldn't count. And your ballot, apparently you made it yourself, and it had to be a specific size and type of paper. And if that was wrong, they could throw it out. And for any other reason, they could throw it out. All right, and then I'm just going to start throwing some fast facts at you because each one of these things could be its own episode. Susan B. Anthony and Sojourner Truth were arrested and turn away, turned away, respectively, while trying to vote in 1872. We did learn a little bit about Susan B. Anthony, but we didn't learn that she was arrested alongside 15 other women. Hmm. It wasn't just her. Trump pardoned Anthony in 2020, uh, August. But her organization and people who actually know about her told him to fuck right off <laughs> because they were like, she didn't believe she was committing a crime, so she shouldn't need to be pardoned of something that she also fuck. In 1876, it was officially determined that indigenous people are not citizens and cannot vote. In 1882, or that was 1876, I might have misspoke. In 1882, it was determined that people of Chinese... Background couldn't naturalize to citizenship because of the Chinese Exclusion Act, which Austin mentioned our last episode or a couple it was, episodes ago. Uh,
0: it was it was I don't know it's been some time, but we have mentioned it. We haven't just gone we haven't gone into it.
1: Yeah, so basically, if you had any Chinese in your background, if you looked Chinese, you couldn't be a citizen. In 1887, the decision that indigenous people can't vote was overturned, but only if they gave up tribal membership. Three years later, the Indian Naturalization Act granted them citizenship if they applied and were approved, like people who immigrated from other countries, which meant that they could be denied. In 1890, Wyoming became an official state, and they carried their women's suffrage with it, making them the first actual state to have universal women's voting rights. I remember the other time I mentioned it, it was um, by... The 1900s, so other parts were states by then. In 1919, if Native Americans served in the military, they were granted citizenship. Uh, The women's suffrage movement had actually been going on the entire length of this country. At this point, women were picketing outside the White House, protesting everywhere, constantly jailed until the 19th Amendment in 1920, only 100 years ago. But like anything else, that didn't fix all the problems. And states tried to even say that the ruling was unconstitutional. And non-white women were still largely disenfranchised. Now, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton... Staunton? I don't know. Um, I've, heard,
0: I've heard Stanton, but... They
1: actually both were championing not just women's rights, but women of color's rights and people of color's rights. Like, one of them was at a thing with Frederick Douglassing. Huh. Um Like, but not all women were for the rights of women of color, but they just thought it should go. In 1922, it was determined that Japanese people can't can't naturalize. In 1923... Quote, Asian Indians were also not allowed to naturalize. Basically meaning, if you were Asian, you cannot naturalize. Never learned. Like, we learned a little did, bit about.
0: Did not know that. We
1: learned a little bit about Japan. Maybe a tiny bit about China. Mm-hmm. But we never learned that, like, Jap- like all of Asia. Yeah. In 1924, the Indian Citizenship Act granted citizenship to indigenous people, but like with black people, they kept making laws and rules to prohibit their voting rights. In 1952, they finally allowed people of Asian backgrounds to become citizens again. 1952? 1952, 30 fucking years after the final one. That was through the McCarran-Walter Act. 30 years after the last group was not allowed to become citizens. 1876. So what, like, math? In 1961, the 23rd Amendment granted the vote to Washington, D.C., but only for president. To this day, they do not have representation in... uh, Their license plates say taxation without representation now. (laughs) They want to be a state, or at the very least, be allowed to have congressional representation, which they should. They have a population who is not represented.
0: I think it's like the population of D.C. is larger than like like six different states.
1: Yeah, and... When you have these, are American citizens who aren't allowed to have representation. Yeah. And we have that in our territories as well. Uh, DC is technically like a district or a territory or Mm -hmm. whatever of ours. They're the only ones who are allowed to vote for president. And I'll talk more about it in a minute. Now, here's the thing we were really, really led to believe that black people couldn't vote at all until the civil rights. We now know from what I've talked about, because I am imparting all the wisdom in the world upon you, that's not true. We've covered some really important figures in this fight in previous episodes. I'm not going to go heavily into the civil rights movement right now. But here's the deal. They were legally allowed to vote. States were also legally allowed to bar them from voting through various means I've talked about. So in the 1960s, and and especially in 1963, the civil rights movement was like, no, we're fucking done here. And the Freedom Summer happened, which didn't fix everything, but helped a lot. And now we are going back to the pre-Freedom Summer Times talk to that in a minute. Nineteen sixty-four. It was determined via the Twenty Fourth Amendment that you can't be barred from voting because of a failure to pay taxes. That's why Trump can still vote. <laughs> in nineteen sixty five. The Voting Rights Act passed. This is why it goes literally in the episode talking more about the Voting Rights Act. It basically said you can't do any of this discriminatory shit anymore. And Native Americans continue to need additional laws regarding this over the next decade or so because they're like, oh no, these are still negatively affecting Native Americans more. In 1971, the voting age was lowered from 21 to 18. 1970 was when you could finally vote at 18 because you were being drafted, and these were part of the Vietnam War protests. It was one of the things they gave in to. Uh, today, you'll see arguments that if you pay taxes, regardless of age, you should be allowed to vote. Meaning, if you're 15 and get your first job, you should be allowed to vote. I don't have a strong opinion on it because I worked with kids. They are hyper aware. They have a. Opi- they actually do have opinions that differ from their parents. But this is also one of those few, very, very few cases where I think that fraudulent defrauded.
0: There is a the large potential for fraud for like, it's like, yes, I've got... I'm ordering ballots for my 19 children.
1: Not even that, um, because you can prove whether or not these kids pay taxes. You have to to approve the taxes. I'm just thinking
0: of like the Duggars, like Um, becoming a voting But I'm
1: talking more about about parents standing over you and intimidating their choosing. Uh, Harder to do when you're at an actual ballot box. But I have mixed feelings on this because a 16 year old is not. Much more educated than an eighteen-year-old. Eighteen-year-olds are still in well, You don't get lessons on how to vote in high school. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make your brain's not done forming until you're twenty-five anyway. <laughs> um, in 1971, the Voting Rights Act also required voting materials to be printed in languages other than English for the first time ever. Anyone. In the 1970s, California instituted something basically called the no excuse voting, which allowed pe- anyone, anyone to apply for an absentee ballot, which was the earliest form of early because a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't vote because I didn't. have I didn't vote because I couldn't. So they're like, OK, no excuse anymore. Now you can order this and vote from home. In the 80s, Texas became the first state to offer in person early. The National Voter Registration Act passed in 1990. And this is why we can register to vote at the DMV now. Prior to 1993, you actually had to, like, go to an election office. You can also register to vote because of this at Public Assistance and Disabilities. In 1995, Oregon became the first state to have a primary election entirely by mail due to an unexpected resignation of a senator who was convicted of sexual harassment. In 2000, they became the first state to go fully vote by mail, period. And you know what? So, they wow. haven't had fraud problems.
0: In two, so in the last 20 years, Oregon hasn't had a problem with voting by mail and they've been
1: exclusively in the voting by mail? 20 years... Oregon's votes don't count. That same year, uh, 2000, which was the year of the hanging chad in Florida, a bunch of states allowed early voting after that because they felt election officials were being rushed. So that's why things were so fucked up, because they didn't have time, which makes sense. Yeah. Today, 42 states and D.C. allow early voting. The states that do not are Connecticut, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. And... Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, and Washington are all mail-in. So none of these states are allowed to vote, apparently. And
0: Utah. Utah, the, like, reddest of the red states. Like, I think, Eh. behind, like, behind Arkansas.
1: Utah's an interesting one because they're red, but they're not evil red. Like, and they're not as bright a red as some states. Um, You can also vote early in the U.S. Virgin Islands. But what about these territories, you ask? I see you asking it with your Mm. eyes. In 2000, a federal court officially decided they can't vote for president. And it's interesting because, as we saw in the DNC, they can put forth candidates during the primaries. But we're like, no, you can put them forth, but you can't actually vote in the elections or have congressional representation. We still own you. Sorry, not sorry. So we've got... 3.2-ish million American citizens in Puerto Rico alone who can't vote for... American Samoa, Guam, Northern Northern Mariana Islands, and the U.S. Virgin Islands also can't vote for president or have congressional representation. If you, like Austin, were to move from Kansas to one of these places and declare residency, you can no longer vote. If somebody from Puerto Rico were to move to Kansas and declare residency, they can now vote. You don't have to go through any kind of immigration process. Uh, Because of Hurricane Maria, shit ton of people moved from Puerto Rico to Florida, and all of them
0: hate Oh, God. It's like Which remember- is
1: why I think Florida is becoming a swing state. In 2001, the National Commission on Federal Election Reform tried to make it so all states would allow felons to vote after completing their sentences. In most states today, though, it didn't, it didn't work. Um, you still can't vote if you're actively in prison or on parole. And in some places, you can't vote if you have any kind of fel- felony record or in some places, if you have certain kinds of felonies. However, prisoners are counted on censuses. So places get more money... And people places get more money because of the quote unquote citizens there based on the prison count. We have towns here that are like over 50% prisoners, but these people don't get a say in how that tax money is used. Their bodies are used as chattel. And then they get out, they're paying taxes, they get no say in where their taxes go. In 2002, the Help America Vote Act was passed in response to the 2000 election between Gore and Biden. Al Jazeera puts it as, quote, Gore and Bush. Yes, Bush. Al Jazeera puts it as, quote, massive voting reform effort that requires states to comply with a federal mandate for provisional ballots, disability act to access, centralized, computerized, computerized voting lists, electronic voting and the requirement that first time voters present identification before voting. So the idea basically is that if you're eligible to vote, it needs to be easier to vote. That's what it boils down And it's not. And I'll talk about more about that in a minute. In 2013, we decided it'd be awesome to strike down part of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, basically allowing discrimination to come back via voter purging. Now, guys, anyone can be purged from a voter registration list. You need to go onto your state election office's website. Find out whether or not you are currently registered. Even if you are registered for the primary, you might have been purged at this. So check before... I mean, check now.
0: Check now. Check now. Like, literally, just like, if you're listening to us from your phone... Just go online and look it up on your phone. It takes almost no time.
1: Yeah. Anybody can be purged at any time. And you don't want to show up on election day if you decide to go vote in person or whatever and find out that you are not a registered voter. And this can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter what race you are, if you have a disability, how much money you have. This, They can just be like, oh, we're purging this county.
0: It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, uh, this person's got a name to someone similar to someone who died. We can purge them.
1: Yeah. And it added back in voter ID laws lowered polling locations and restricted voting apps. I said I'd talk more about the idea that if you're eligible to vote, it should be easy to, and it's not. So when I said that, I was specifically talking about people who have disabilities. I tried to find the history of voting laws for disabled people, and there's very little out there. Even now, they don't keep records on any of this. In 2012, though, it became evident that people with disabilities aren't being allowed to vote. Now, you might be thinking, oh, they must mean people with advanced Alzheimer's, people who can't comprehend voting. Yeah. Yeah, that's not who they're talking about. I mean, yes, they're inc- but that's not who they're talking about. Uh, In 2012, at that time, 2012, 30 states and D.C. had laws saying they could bar people who were deemed, quote, incompetent from voting. This includes people with things like bipolar, autism, schizophrenia, stuff that really doesn't affect your ability to vote, so, especially if you're properly medicated. Yeah, so all people
0: who are fully capable of ra- making rational decisions. Yes.
1: And... That includes people with things like Down syndrome. Uh, Mark Salzer from Temple University said, quote, they think if you have a mental illness and they use that term broadly, your rationality is impaired and you shouldn't be allowed to vote. So basically, any mental illness, a state can decide you're not. So sorry, kids with depression and anxiety. That year, 2012, Clinton Goad went before an American pro- Arizona probate judge to argue for his right to vote. He has Downson. He explains that he watches and understands the news and disregards people who tell him to vote. Because the judge asked him, like, do people tell you how to vote? And he goes, yeah, I just ignore them. Who here hasn't been told how they should vote?
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, turn on TV. Like, we watched Masked Singer. All of the commercials were people telling us how to vote. Mm-hmm.
1: But the problem was his parents were his legal guardians because he needed help with medical and financial decisions. And don't we fucking all. Um, so he was deemed unable to handle voting. He was ultimately allowed to vote and became the face of House Bill 2377, which amended Arizona's rules. It was anyone who's be under guardianship can't vote to there are limitations on who that includes. But in 2018, we found out, oh, shit, this is still going on. No one is actually monitoring how many, but thousands upon thousands of disabled people in any way are not able to vote. If you have a conservatorship or guardianship, there's a good chance you can't vote like Britney Spears probably can't vote. And honestly, Just Britney deserves her vote. Leave Hashtag Britney free Britney. Leave Britney alone. That year, 2018, six years after the last one, 39 states and D.C. had laws barring people with disabilities from voting. It was 30 states and D.C. And these laws have words like idiots in them.
0: So I guess like, wow, we have some actual anti- the anti-Trump the anti legislation actually in there now.
1: <laughs> it's like that episode of 30 Rock where they have like the idiots protesting. <laughs> so the states without any restrictions. There are obviously 11, Colorado, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Maine, Michigan, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Vermont. A weird number of Midwestern states in there. You would expect that we would be the bad ones. So yeah, that's it. Those are the only states where you're allowed to vote, period. Like, you know, your grandfather who had Alzheimer's, if he was still alive today, would be allowed to vote in Kansas. Um, As long as, you know, nobody looked at it and went, Okay, he looks like somebody else is voting. Like, that's as far as that would mm-hmm. go. These are There are arguments for and against this. People with limited capacity may be forced to vote a certain way. But who determines capacity? No one fucking knows. And in some places, you can vote. Like I mentioned, if you have advanced Alzheimer's. In others, you can't vote. Even if you have autism that allows you to have an advanced degree and a fully lived life. That doesn't restrict you just because you have this diagnosis or some kind of guardianship. And also, like, guardianship. If you're paralyzed, you probably have somebody who has some kind of guardianship over you, especially if you're paralyzed back down. Your brain's not affected. And then the standards that they are putting through when they try to decide on an individual basis are questions like, why do you want to vote for them? And answers like, because I like them aren't good enough. How many people are like, I'm not voting for this candidate because I don't want to have a... Honestly, because I like slash dislike them is a better fucking... Um, and what if they're like... There have been lawsuits because people with disabilities go to voting locations and are not able to access them for one reason or another, like the maybe the voting machine, or maybe there's not somebody there who can help them interpret, like things or like it's,
0: that. Or it's it's not handicap accessible. There's stairs and mm-hmm. there's no ramp.
1: So there are too many questions and too few answers nationwide. We're still seeing evidence of disenfranchisement from of people from all backgrounds, particularly Black people and other people of color and those in poverty. Around here in Kansas, in our area of Kansas, we have almost no public transit, and they. We have a a voting location three miles from us, give or take. Uh, far yeah. enough that I couldn't walk there, mm-hmm. but just barely. I could now, but you know, yeah. pre COVID and walking every once in a while. It's there isn't this one. It's like the voting location for our big area. There is not a bus stop at it. The near to I I did I mapped it out to get there via bus from our house. Like I said, three miles away, three and a half hours. So if I had a disability, that meant that you know, no matter how determined it was, I couldn't walk there. 'Cause there also there is no sidewalk between here and there. No. There is no bike lane. So even if you're in a, like if you're in a wheelchair or trying to walk, you're gonna get hit by a fucking car. Um, there's no bus stop. And in some places you have to vote in a certain certain location, you have to vote on election day. If you work two part-time jobs, they both can be saying, Oh, we gave you like we only had you work until noon. So you had plenty of time to vote. We don't have to give you those cars off. And then it was like, We had you start at twelve thirty. You could have gone in the morning. Yeah. So if you're impoverished, if you aren't strong in your English skills it like you can't vote for so many reasons and what is it Atlanta that has like one voting location for 700,000 people or some shit
0: bullshit
1: so that was going to be the end of it. I finished researching and writing this this took hours upon hours and then I got a news alert saying that the Supreme Court could be about to destroy the rest of the Voting Rights Act oh
0: motherfuckers
1: they are hearing two consolidated cases which they agreed to hear now a few weeks before Amy uh, Coney Barrett Could be confirmed. They decided this after RBG died. Yeah. And with the court being largely Republican, this sounds pretty intentional to me. The cases are Bronvich versus Democratic National Committee and Arizona Republican Party versus the Democratic National Committee. Both address two laws requiring some ballots to be discarded. One, if voters vote in the wrong precinct. Now, in other places, if you vote in the wrong precinct, they accept your presidential votes and they don't accept your local. There, they're allowed to ban you, like, your presidential vote. Stuff. The other law is ballot collection or ballot harvesting, which on its surface sounds kind of scary, but it actually just means I'm disabled or otherwise unable to vote by myself. Yeah. So,
0: like, so I, I was looking at it. It's like if you have an absentee ballot, you're the one who has to actually take it in yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't say, my son who can drive and also can walk there without assistance can't take it can take it there anymore. I have to try and get yeah. there myself.
1: Yeah. In Kansas, I looked it up. We can't. Uh, it is allowed. You just have to sign off saying this person is allowed to bring my vote. And you have to sign off like this person did not. That is pretty normal. Uh, you just have to sign off saying this is allowed to vote on my behalf. Not on my behalf. I filled this format or they filled it up for me with me telling. So in Arizona, this means that if you are paralyzed from the neck down and you are doing a vote by mail, which is required to be done in pen, you can't get help. And nobody can, retur- can submit it for both of these laws have been shown to disenfranchise voters of color, though both based on what they sound like, they also disenfranchise anybody who is of low poverty or high poverty or disability or whatever. And both mean you have to get to your, be able to get to your correct voting location at the correct time yourself. The Voting Rights Act has already been badly hurt several times. As I mentioned, these cases specifically attack the results test portion of the act, which bans laws that disproportionately affect voters of color. Basically, they have to be able to prove that this doesn't hurt voters of color. So if Amy Coney Barrett is given the seat, it will almost ensure that these cases are allowed to uphold these things that disenfranchise voters. Now, this is about Arizona, but it will have widespread effect. I don't know if that means they'll mandate that every state does this, but even if it doesn't, all states will have the ability to. And so that is the history of your right to vote and how it is constantly being threatened. Less you than other people. (laughs) You're a mediocre white man of mediocre income. You're fine.
0: I'm a mediocre white man of mediocre income. A Protestant mediocre white man of mediocre income. Yeah, I'm fucked. Yep,
1: Because I'm technically Catholic because I got St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. What up? Are you ready for your questions? I am
0: ready for my questions.
1: Will this be on the test? The Constitution actually didn't mention voting rights until the 14th Amendment. Yeah, that should absolutely be on the test. But will it?
0: Oh, no, because that's...
1: It's not true that only white men over 21 who owned lands were the only ones allowed to vote initially. No, that's
0: that's not going to be on the test because then you'd have to address all of it. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. then we just constantly made it harder and harder and harder. And then we stopped. Now we're just making it harder again.
1: Women actually had the right to lo- right to vote long before the women's suffrage moment and not just in historically and uh, just not in historically and currently more progressive states. Yeah,
0: that, that should be on the test. It's that like, should be. Yeah. It's like in Wyoming, women, it's like. Wyoming should have that on their goddamn license plate mm-hmm. instead of the cowboy.
1: No, like they are calling like the equality state because of stuff, that, and they were progressive. And like I, I was like, I could just do a whole episode on the hit Wyoming because hot damn! Um, even Wyoming today is, you know, it's it's an open state, but like remember after Matthew Shepard died, the entire state when the entire state was furious. Unlike Kansas, and it wasn't Kansas, it was the Westboro Baptist Church who sent people out there to protest, and that's yeah. how Kansas yeah. gained national.
0: Uh, all like nine of those people i they just need to
1: Asian Americans have been repeatedly denied citizenship strictly based on their race oh god that's all, like
0: i think that should be on the test because like america has made mistakes and i think it's important for us as americans to understand that our country has made mistakes and that we worked hard to fix them that's an important lesson. That's a great These thing These are to learn. great
1: lessons. Yeah. And, you know, I'm getting to this and I don't know how long we have been running because we're using our new equipment, but it's under an hour. Yeah. And I'm able to cover all of this at least a little. Schools have no fucking excuse. Mm-hmm. And again, like this, would, this not, would be... I am not angry at the teachers. I am angry at the system this, that's allowing this. This
0: could be two pages in a textbook.
1: Mm-hmm. Just, fuck, just a list of dates. Yeah. And even, even federal websites with lists of dates... Don't mention, we're trying to hide the shit that we do, and that's yeah. not okay. No. And then the last one, 39 states and D.C. currently have laws of some kind barring people with disabilities. To-
0: no, that will not be on the test. Because we are we have only ever improved. We have never gotten worse. No, never. Never.
1: So that is the history of the right to in states, and it is currently in flux. More and more people might be disenfranchised before the election, although, fingers crossed, They said they're hearing this in the coming weeks, so it probably won't happen and almost definitely won't be resolved until after. the
0: Fingers crossed.
1: Because what, the election's November 3rd?
0: November 3rd.
1: Yep. I always confuse it with the January date uh, Mm -hmm. for the inauguration, which is January 20th. So I'm like, election's uh, November 20th. No, it's November 3rd. Please
0: vote. Please vote. The deadline for many states is like either just passed or coming the fuck up. So make mm-hmm. sure you register to vote. Register to vote.
1: Check your registration. Make sure you are still registered to vote, even if you were able to vote just a couple months ago. So where can people find us? Well, they can
0: find us um, on Twitter at on the test pod, on Instagram at on the test pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the test pod. And our website, onthetestpod.com, which Maddie has painstakingly up- updated. It looks way cool.
1: Yeah, it does read better on desktop than on mobile, but you can still find everything. You can see, uh, we you can find our episodes. We are working on getting transcripts back.
0: You can see pictures of our cats.
1: Yes, pictures of our cats. Uh, pictures that were done of us by our amazing artist friend, Faye Stardust. So check it out. Listen to us. Um... Rate, review, subscribe, but more importantly, tell your friends, tell your family. We would love to bring more people into this crazy little world of ours.
0: Just shout it out on the bus or the train.
1: <laughs> yeah, be be the crazy guy on the bus. Be like, it's listen like, to Will. This be on the test? They'll tell you why we need more buses. Actually, yeah, we. Okay, fine. I am going to pu-
0: cover public transportation. Boom.
1: Please do. We need more buses. Absolutely. got
0: Again, we talked about it. We just talked about it. There's like, for me to actually take a bus to work. I would actually have to walk further to bus stops than I would to actually walk to work.
1: Yeah. I used to live in a place with public transit. It's... Guys, I lived there. We complained about our public transit, but I can tell you, even when I was complaining about it, I was so grateful it existed. It's a shit show to not have it, especially if you can't drive or you can't afford a car. So yeah, vote, 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 vote.
0: And listen to us more. And tell people to listen to us more. Yeah. And tell people to vote. And do both. Actually, just tell people to do everything that we've suggested.
1: Yeah, we are the geniuses in this room we like are. literally because we're in a closet and we're the only people here
0: it's true i am the second. oh god i'm still the second smartest, smartest <laughs> person in this room
1: i mean i'm not gonna say no
0: she's the smart <laughs> one i'm the, she's the smart one i'm the pretty one that's it's just true. the way it is it's
1: true well on that note class, class dismissed,
0: dismissed.